crippling thoughts and dramatic mysteries, wonderful worlds of fantasy, denying love of the heart that beats within your chest, or is it just your imagination? Let's dive into a world of novels as we read books from all over, from writing and reading reviews to interviews, one-on-one sessions, and honest writing opinions. Let's keep it real on Mystical Mode. Hey guys, Mystic here, and welcome to another episode of Mystical Mode, where I give you guys my best opinions and hopefully you won't kill me for them later. Today, we are doing a very interesting joint book review on the Grey Ones between me and Lady Rawin. Now, in this story, it's very interesting as it has a completely different world. They are making something new and honestly, is not half bad at all. I enjoyed reading the story to the fullest and I honestly cannot wait to complete it and read even more work. The Grey Ones has a 4.9 rating in fantasy and the second book to the Grey Ones is called The Red Sun which has a five-star rating in fantasy. Um, in Ellie's person bio, it states, a Nordling who sees new worlds in every pine and every leaf, a universe, be- a universe upon every glance. It leads me to where the Northern Lights dance. That is beautiful. Oh, it's just a universe upon every glance that leads me to where the Northern Lights dance. Not to also mention that your profile picture is Northern Lights, and it's so pretty. I've always admired the Northern Lights for, like, several reasons. Like, who wouldn't want to go, like, to the North Pole? Because it's cold, but, like, just go to the North Pole just to see the lights. I feel like, this is, I feel like it would be such a sense... <laughs> getting twisted up in my words. I feel like it would be such a spectacular thing to see. It would be beautiful, fantastic, and so much more. That's something I've always, like, aspired to see one day in my life. But still, and also in your bio, it states the Chainbreaker series. Book one is the Grey Ones, and the second book is the Red Sun, which is up on Inkit. This is an Inkit author, guys, so definitely follow and like their work. I promise you, you will not, uh, you will not regret reading these stories. They're so detailed and so very nice. But of course, we're going to explain this more as we interview. I said interview as we do this review session with Lady Rowan. Hopefully you guys enjoy the story and hopefully you guys enjoy our talk because I know I sure as ham sandwiched it as well. But anyway, enough of me blabbing. Let's get into the story as we get into a more mystical mode. The Visitors, Chapter 1 Lord Richmond Arlington, Duke of Knoxborough, never thought he'd see the day when he had to greet the Grey Warlord himself. The day was dreary, and the situation was dire. A cold northern wind had swept over the shores, and the ocean was restless. A storm was brewing. It was uncommon this time of year. Usually early summer was a time of sunshine and stillness. These uninvited visitors had certainly angered the builder. The Grey Ones had occupied a large area down in the harbor, including the fort. Without permission or any regard for the city's shipping traffic, they had announced that they had come to negotiate Duke Arlington's submission. Why the Grey Beast suddenly threatened with war was beyond the Duke, and the mere thought that he would submit to their ridiculous rules was laughable. But Richmond knew his army was hardly an army at all, and he'd better accommodate the Beastmen. This was a delicate matter that required cunning and guile. That was why he hadn't sent his forces to drive the invaders off just yet. He had, however, persisted that the warlord would come to his castle at Fairgarden, but the invitation was declined. The duke himself had to come to the harbor. Rain was imminent. Richmond wanted this done as soon as possible so that he could return to the Fairgarden before the heavens opened their gates. His advisor, Garrett, attempted to instruct him on how to properly greet and speak to the Grey Ones, but Richmond found the whole nation ridiculous. Why would he? A duke, an ancestor of the great and ancient line of Nornis kings, have to bow to a foreign warlord, an intruder? Why would he have to submit to their savage ways of life? Did they not have enough? Why would they want a city like Knoxborough when there were plenty of better choices further south? Although the reappearance of the Grey Demon many years prior had been terrifying, the ones that now had occupied the docks of Knoxborough seemed positively lethal, as though they had stepped straight out of the netherworld. A familiar dread crawled under the duke's skin. It was the same fear he used to feel as a boy listening to the horror stories of the demons of the north. 
These were no ambassadors. These were warriors. Killers. Richmond felt the hair stand on the back of his neck as he made it through the encampment towards the large tent in the middle of the fort. He made sure his guards were close to him, ready to fight. They were greeted by the noticeably smaller gray ones, who bowed deeply. Vahanen, Lord Arlington, Duke of Knoxborough, said the gray man smoothly. Let me introduce Arvazoth, our general and military leader. The beast backed away while still in a deep bow, and out of the tent strode an enormous gray one. He was taller than the rest of them, stronger, with yellow eyes that echoed death and carnage. Richmond didn't notice that he had backed away until he slammed into his guards. Duke? The Grey One's voice was dark and resonating, lacking any amusement or comedy. Warlord? Richmond tried to straighten, tried to look unfazed, as pearls of sweat quickly formed on his forehead. You have come to submit. It wasn't a question, but neither was it an outright statement. Richmond took a deep breath. I have not come to submit. I have not come to yield. This is my city and you have no right to take it by force. The general stood stoically, but then he moved with an ease that seemed unnatural for such a large creature. I don't think you've quite understood our demands. We are not here to take the city by force. We are here to embrace it as it submits to us. We have come to restore order to this chaos, this discrepancy. You have never been interested in Knoxboro before, spat Richmond. How come you've suddenly decided to invade? The Greyman clenched his jaw in annoyance and placed his hands behind his back. You might have forgotten our common history, but we have not. The tormented souls of this city have cried out to us, and we have heard them. For centuries, we believed that the people of the mainland were ill-equipped to understand our philosophies and receive our teachings. Now, after years and years of awakening the people of these cursed lands, we understand that you are ready to receive us. The land is ready to heal. Without being able to help it, Richmond snorted at a laugh. Ready to heal? But he immediately composed himself. I believe there might be a peaceful solution to this that neither involves you annexing the city nor me submitting. The warlord furrowed his dark brows. And what do you have in mind? The question, even though it should have been anticipated, caught Richmond by surprise. He had nothing in mind, except for a long list of very inappropriate words he wanted to yell at the large creature before him. Luckily, Garrett stepped in. My lord, perhaps it is best if we draw up a few suggestions for you to consider as a peace treaty. Perhaps we could be able to offer you a piece of land to set up a religious establishment. The Duke must negotiate with the High Council as well. It might take some time, but you were more than welcome to stay here for the time being. The general, the Vasath, as he was called, turned a glaring eye to the advisor. Then, after a few moments of intense glaring, he nodded. Very well, but I would like you to send me an ambassador, a highborn, who can teach me the history and the ways of your people, and whom I can, in return, attempt to teach our ways. That way, I will know if you are truly ready to join us. He looked at the Duke. Or if the land needs to be cleansed from you, the corruption, once and for all. Richmond wanted to shout at the large man, tell him that he was a fool, and an arrogant fool who thought they were the corruption. How dared these gray monsters come to his city and tell him that he was the corruption. However, before he had time to lose his temper, Garrett bowed to the general and said, an ambassador will be sent down here by tomorrow at noon. We must be reassured, of course, that our ambassador will be well perceived and respected, and that you will hold off any attacks until our suggestions have been presented. The general glared at the two men with an unfazed expression. Your ambassador will be safe with us. No harm will come to whomever you send, as long as he is our guest and under our tutorage. We will also refrain from any attacks during your time of contemplation. Garrett looked at Richmond for confirmation, and when the Duke gave a slight nod, Garrett turned back to the Vasath and bowed. Excellent. Looking down his nose, the Grey One said, Parthonin, humans. As he waved his hand dismissingly at them and returned to his tent, Richmond and Garrett were ushered to leave. Two burly Grey Ones saw them to the gates of the encampment. 
and just as the rain started to fall, Richmond and Garrett entered their carriage. The four guards that accompanied them sat upon their horses, and the party returned to the fair garden. While back inside the castle, Richmond barked all the obscenities he had kept to himself in the encampment. Who does he think he is? He growled. That fucking beast man thinks that he can come to my city and demand my submission? He thinks he can frighten me? He can kiss my royal arse. Your grace, I think we might have to be cautious, said Garrett. They don't send the Grey Warlord for nothing. Richmond muttered as he strode up the stairs into his study. Garrett followed closely behind. Well, do they really think they could annex the city with a hundred men? They're outnumbered ten to one. Your grace, Garrett said. Our guards are indeed competent, but this is the general and his light warriors. Builder knows what cursed powers they possess. If they decide to attack us, we won't be able to withstand it for that long. And who knows how many more are on the way. Despite the anger that was still raging within, Richmond sat down behind his writing desk and pondered. So, we need to stall them and send for more guards. I am certain the rest of the free cities will come to our aid once they know that foreign invaders are on our doorstep. I agree, said Garrett and nodded. But we will have to tread lightly on this as well. It's no secret that our relationships with the other cities have deteriorated over the years. Richmond gave his advisor a dark look. Garrett bowed. But I will send word of it. We also need to send them an ambassador by tomorrow. Who should we send, Your Grace? Someone who can occupy them, said Richmond. Someone eager to learn. Someone clever. Garrett closed his hands behind his back. But not someone so clever he understands we are going to stall them. It needs to be someone who stalls them unknowingly. Richmond nodded. Yes, the less that Ambassador knows, the better. But we need one that will be completely loyal to us. But someone who won't know too much. A woman to suffice. A woman's curiosity is eternal. And slow wit, undefeated. Garrett shifted awkwardly before carefully saying, Your Grace, I know this might be a bold suggestion, but what about Lady Juniper? The Duke glared at his advisor. Why would I send my daughter on a diplomatic mission? Besides, they are men who are probably starved for a fuck. They might be arrogant and stoic, but they value rules and honor promises above all, said Garrett. Lady Juniper should be perfectly safe and would surely be loyal to her beloved father. Your Grace, she is also very intella enough. Richmond furrowed his brows. She is easy enough on the eyes, I suppose. At least she isn't ugly. That ought to mean something. They are still males, are they not? Even though they are beasts? Garrett shifted awkwardly. I am not sure about their custom, Your Grace. The Duke weaved his fingers together and placed them upon his chin before he leaned back in his chair in deep consideration. know about you, but I get tired of reading the same story over and over and over again. I just want to spice things up and really get out there, and I definitely have spiced up my reading list by adding The Silent Witness by author Kim. This story brings into a new light of Greek mythology, folklores, and just general legends. It is an amazing read that I highly recommend to anybody with a fantasy tooth who just can't wait to dig into new lining of life. So, with that in mind, read The Silent Witness and definitely, definitely enjoy. Link is in the bio. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great, great, great. So, actually, um, there's something going on in the studio right now. It's been, it's been kind of hectic because one of the voice actors kind of messed up their work so a bunch of people are just running around right now so I actually went outside kind of outside right now just sitting in my car just to do this interview so if you hear like other outsidely noises just know that I am a little bit outside right now that's fine <laughs> okay so how did, how did you like the great ones so I was actually sitting here reading um some more of it because I haven't read the entire book yet but um I actually am enjoying it thus far. Um, 
I do have a couple of different kind of notes and and I feel like the my notes I'm not trying to be picky or anything. Mm-hmm. Um I I do a lot of editing kind of stuff. Um I'm a big I'm a big person with editing. So um my notes are more reflective of editing and uh that kind of thing. But that's only because like I I kind of know what publishers look for. So yeah. So um, my notes are along the line of to help people who are looking into doing like, you know, publishing or, you know, looking for literary agents or publishers or even for self-publishing purposes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but don't worry about it. I didn't have as many notes as you probably do. I really didn't have a major issue with the story in general. It's a very nice read and very fascinating. I just (laughs) feel like there's just some parts that probably, I don't know, I feel like some parts just could have been explained a little bit better in some parts. But again, that's also just me being a little bit nitpicky with the story in general. But I like the read as well. It was very, very fascinating. I, I generally love, like, not to say, I want to try to find a different word for it instead of saying old-timey um, medieval stuff. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Um, I actually don't really know when this is supposed to have taken place. Um, that's uh, one of the things. Like, I don't know if this is supposed to be futuristic dystopian or if this is supposed to be medieval. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to tell between those two types of genres without somebody explicitly saying like, you know, like in a prologue or something. Mm-hmm. Um, now I actually did not read the overture, um, just because I, if, if you're trying to get published, a lot of publishers will completely skip over any kind of additional information like that because they want to see the meat of your story. So I, what I did is I, I skipped it on purpose because um, I wanted to see if I could figure out what was going in the, on in the story without having to read that additional information because that's something a publisher would look for. Because um, most people in the real world too um, who you know, like like Twilight and stuff like that, when stories have prologues, people skip it automatically. They're just like, nah, I just want to read what the actual story is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. So yeah, so I just wanted to see if I could, and and, and it looks like I can, um, because I mean, I skipped, I read the summary, I did read the um, preface, I skipped the overture, and then I went to the visitors one is, you know, like the very first chapter, I guess is what it is, and started reading from there. And it looks like um, I can definitely see where the book is going, but I still don't know if it's dystopian future or medieval. So. That's true. I I kind of get a more medieval feel than a dystopian future for it, just mm-hmm. because like their um, means of transportation and the way that they describe Juniper's outfits and what she's wearing. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's more of a medieval type of feel because she's wearing corsets and long robes and that little skirt thingy that you put under it to make it look all poofy and nice and stuff like that and jewels and stuff like that and they use um. When they're talking about the Duke, it means like a high class citizen. But mm-hmm. also at the same time, I can I can understand why you get a little confused about it because if they talk they have a different religious system than like what we're commonly used to. It's called the builder. Mm-hmm. And it kind of seems more futuristic in a way. But I I generally think this mainly takes place in medieval type of vibe. I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's just the general feel of it. Yeah, it's hard to tell with fantasy books. Um, yes, because, very much so. Um, yeah, it's really hard to tell with fantasy books, especially when you're creating your whole your whole world. Like, um, you know, I I don't necessarily. I, I'm I'm guessing I'm and like I said I haven't read too much into it, so I might have to read some more to figure this out. But I'm I'm guessing that like the Arlingtons and stuff are are human. Or what we, you know, like us. Um, and then the gray ones, it's it's kind of weird because, you know, um, they call aliens gray ones too. Oh. Um, so that's why I was kind of like, and I know they, they keep describing it as like a demon. But they also describe them as being very tall and muscular and stuff like that, which is kind of alien-like. So I was like, hmm. So. Yeah, and they also come from. I don't 
I'm not good with geography. So when they were explaining like where the gray ones actually came from, I think they come from past a void where like no ships can go or like sail past. Like it's it's called the white, the white something where like their ships just can't pass it, and that's mm-hmm. where the gray ones originally come from. Mm-hmm. So that kind of got me curious to think: is that where the gray ones can't come? Like, is that like an outer worldly experience, or that's just more of a you know, like, oh, we just can't cross it because it's dangerous. Kind of yeah, like a, a Bermuda Triangle or um, a Tartarus kind of vibe. Huh? E- exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, made me, it made me very curious. And at the same time, it made me really question how the Grey Ones can get, a, get like, across this Bermuda Triangle type of place. But, like, regular humans cannot. Because um, they didn't go into much detail about the ships, but if memory serves me correctly, um, and I hope it does, they their ships really aren't much different from the ones that the humans have, like regular shale ships that are made of wood. Mm-hmm. They're just a lot larger, but what will make the difference between a gray one's like ship and a human's one, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It just, it, it just, it just sounds... Uh, I don't know. I generally love this story, though. I yeah, do love it. I really, I really dig it. It's kind of like an otherworldly vibe. Um, at least, I, but I, like I said, I don't know if it's an otherworldly vibe yet because I haven't like finished reading it or really went too far into the story as of yet. But um, uh, I, it would be really cool if these were like aliens. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Um, I have I have not even finished the story myself. I am like deep into it though. I think I'm on like the way their chapters are set up. Like they'll have like a bunch of chapters, but just in different parts. Like they have the visitor from all the way up to oh god, Roman numerals are not my forte. It's like I think that's twenty, and then they ch- like twenty one, and then they change to the open cage and go up to there. So I think I've made it up to like the last couple of chapters of the visitors mm-hmm. were like I don't mean to spoil the story for you or anything like that no it's just you haven't read that far but um Juniper's like with the um mass gray one I can't pronounce what he is he's like the main leader and they're like walking on the beach and now they're coming back and now they're having like a mil- little meeting like oh maybe I should go back to my abusive husband and my terrible father yeah that- that really got me for a second. It, I understand she's brainwashed into the society. Like, I know most people be like, oh, why is she going back? Oh, why is she doing this? Oh, why is she doing that? Well, that's, I understand. That's literally all she knows. But she has a better option right in front of her. And I'm just, I question why she's just not taking the better option. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually gotten that far. But, um, because like, um, I think so. I'm on I'm on the visitors too. So I haven't gotten super far into it just because I'm I'm I keep stopping and like writing notes down. <laughs> notes down. Um, and and it's nothing. It, it's nothing like super like like I said. I don't really have to. I don't have like really any negative stuff about it. Um, not not like in a, a plot kind of way as of you know yet. I guess yeah. <laughs> I haven't yeah. read that much, but um. But like, um, I think most most of my review and stuff is based on uh, tips for the author about, um, you know, during editing, like making sure that you are not being redundant or, um, you know, breaking up your paragraphs a little better. Um, Just because um, I noticed like in the first, well, even in the first and second chapter, like there's these there's these big walls of text and they do actually have individual thoughts you know, in them that don't go with each other. So, mm-hmm. and the thing is, it's like, to me, it seems very simple to, to break up those texts and make them into smaller paragraphs um, just because like they do actually have natural stopping points within those big walls of text. Um, yeah. That kind of stuff. Let me pull up my notes here. What else did I say? Oh, also, mm-hmm. I definitely don't, I don't like the big blocks of text that sometimes are incorporated with the story. I feel like if you're going to have text, like, even if it's just a long thought in general, you can just have, like, mini setters or, like, in ta- mm, you can probably put them in a towel to show that they're more thought so you can try to separate it from the big block. 
other 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 than just other than that it's just not appealing to look at it's just too long and i feel like my focus just leaves me because i just so many words to look at at one time with just such a thick block of text you know yeah yeah it's not as it's definitely not as aesthetically pleasing to the eye um but it's it's not that there's anything in there that needs to be like taken out or anything um i i love the author's attention to detail however i do feel like there are some details that keep being repeated um and one example of what i wrote in my notes is that lord richmond like in the very first chapter he describes um the the cost cast costs I don't know how we're pronouncing that but he 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 keeps describing them as ridiculous like that that word is specifically used more than once and the thing is it's like okay well I only need to see him have that thought one time like to understand it and then like there's another thing um, where they're introducing Lady Juniper and it's like well we know that Lady Juniper is already the daughter of Lord Richmond because they literally talked about it in the first chapter a second ago. So you don't have to keep reiterating that this is, you know, the daughter of Lord Richmond. Like we get it, you know? So um, like there's some things that it's, um, there's some good showing, but there's also a lot of telling too. And, and having to tell somebody that this is the the lady Juniper, the daughter of Lord Richmond, that's a telling kind of sentence, um, which could, be taken out completely and also you don't have to keep saying lady juniper arlington like we already know that her last name is going to be arlington because her dad is richmond arlington and we know her brother's last name is going to be arlington you know because that's her brother so you don't have to keep putting like their last names in there either um you don't have to keep introducing them that way um so so stuff like that but that's that's just me being picky that's not really you know like super like no no or anything but it does make it seem a little redundant like okay i get it like i've already read this let's move on <laughs> yeah I, I get it a lot of um what's the word for it? a lot of repetition yeah yeah exactly repetition that would be the a good word yeah i je- i don't know when i feel like there's stories that are like that i feel like they're just really trying to per i don't know i really just trying to like bring up the character's status like if you just constantly said oh this is juniper oh this is juniper i don't know i feel like constantly reiterating the fact that it's lady juniper the last name that i cannot pronounce to save my life but yeah. still i feel like it really just gives them more of like a I, I think I lost you. Okay. That was that was super weird. Yeah. I was just talking for a second, and then it was just like, oh, you've disconnected. And I'm like, oh, I really hope. How, how much of my last sentence did you hear? Because I don't know when it cut off. So it started cutting off as soon as you start, as soon as, like, um, uh, you were talking about uh the titles like lady juniper and stuff oh okay yeah. okay yeah but yeah like like you've already said it's a lot of repetition so to have it over and over and over again it does kind of get of annoying and actually now that you bring that up it does not change as it goes to the story like it's con she's more constantly addressed as lady juniper it does die down using her full name but it's still lady juniper and the rest of it which is I, I don't know that I'm thinking about it is a little weird. It's a little weird. Yeah, like I can understand like if she's being addressed through dialogue 
as Lady Juniper because that's kind of the polite thing to do, you know, if you have a title in, you know, that time period. But, like, if you're just talking about them, you know, um, you know, if you're just narrating the story and telling them what they're doing, you know, in the background scenes, you don't really need to use a full name all the time. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that I generally thought was a little bit weird is, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I don't know. I, maybe because I haven't read far enough into it to actually really get a better character analysis for her. But just Juniper's thought process also kind of gets me. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, I know this is the time period that they grew up in where, like, ladies were meant to be, like, like they were meant to have children. And that's it. They didn't really have a say, nor did they have a real opinion on what happens in their life or their futures. They were sold off to get married to rich men. You know, the usual. But to me personally, after all that she's been, and I don't mean to spoil the story for you, but... Yeah, you're um, fine. But as she continues to go on, she gets um engaged to this man. Um, I forget his name at the moment, but she gets engaged to this man across um lands or something like that. Her father is trying to build an army and build alliances so they can go ahead and fight the gray ones. And to say it in a this guy's an asshole, let's point it point blank in general, call it as it is, he's an asshole. <laughs> oh, I despise him with an absolute passion. And he treats her so poorly. Like, so very, very poorly. He even mocks her land because it's called Fair Garden or something along those lines. And he's like, oh, there's nothing fair about this place. And and he's like, I would only think that you were probably fair, but that's only if I get to lift up your skirt or something like that. And I was just like... Wow. Mm, the anger that has built and has been established in the room is very mortifying very mortifying but still after after all of that to the point where he tries to force herself onto him it didn't completely go all the way through though thank god and to the point where his her own father is abusing her and telling like you're gonna marry this man and like just beats on her a little bit and totally disregards her feelings during this whole entire period of time the one thing i definitely dislike about her is that she not because she not like she could do anything to stop it from happening it's just the fact that she was still going along with it after literally getting attacked and literally getting felt up by her fiance. Her father requested that she come downstairs right now and stuff like that. And she told him, like, hey, he hit me and beat me and touched on me. And he looked at her and literally said, oh, you probably deserved it anyway. Wow. And it's just really, and she just takes it. Like, she cries about it. Yeah, sure. But it's just what gets me is that she's just taking it. Like, I know I'm a very independent woman. Like, I understand that. Like, I know that for a fact. Hence why I'm getting mad. But at the same time, she's not doing anything to try to counteract that. To the point where she does run away to find the Grey One and warn him about the war that's going to go on. But after she warns him, she talks about going back. Why she would do that is just beyond i just can't get it and it makes me so makes me very angry in a way like she she's actually escaped gotten to the point where she can escape from this terrible situation yet she wants to go back and i just can't fathom in the slightest idea why so so what you're saying is that um you would prefer to see a stronger female lead in the book most likely. Like, I definitely read the comments of the story, and they did talk about, like, oh, she does get stronger, she does end up finding herself, but at this moment, you've ran away, you're doing better, why go back? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, she seems to be in, I mean, she's being placed into a situation right now where she's with the the soft, I guess, is how you pronounce it. I'm, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Uh- but, Don't even ask me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I'm just gonna say for the soft, and so she's so she's with them, and they're treating her pretty pretty well so far, from what yeah. I've read. And I'm I'm assuming that that's kind of the same throughout the book, correct? Is that yeah, he's same. Okay, her honor and everything. Yeah. So, so, so like, yeah. So I would be, I would also question what you're questioning too. You know, she's being placed in the situation. She was already placed there by her father to begin with, and this Vasov character is like, you know, I'm, 
you know, they're showing her respect. They're being polite. They're, they're treating her kindly. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't go back. Yeah. (laughs) I, I wouldn't go back either. It's to the point. Also, another sad. Sorry, I'm spoiling it again. But yeah. they, the prince, he's like, I want to see these gray ones who are going to be fighting against and killing them. So he forces their way onto their camp, and he meets like the gray one. I'm just going to call him the gray one, the cast. Yeah. I think it's the cast. Okay. And so he's going up there and saying like, you don't look so tough, you don't look so mighty, and stuff like that. And the gray one, cast is just taking it like, okay, whatever, small man. But then he begins to insult Lady Juniper and says, I'm going to slap you if you don't shut your mouth. The gray one, the cast, he didn't take that. He yeeted this fool out of existence. He, wow, he (laughs) slammed him, (laughs) literally. And he defended her, yet he wants, she wants to go back to a situation. I don't know, because she's just manipulated so badly where that's literally all she knows is just how to be an obedient daughter but still it's yeah that kind of that kind of sounds like a plot hole to me um that would be something that the author would want to look into and ask themselves those kind of questions um and and basically ask themselves the question like why would my character want to return to her father like what is drawing her there like there needs to be some kind of struggle um whether it's internal or external between her and her father that's been established because i mean yeah he he um like you said he gave her hand away to this person to to marry but that doesn't mean like if if she stays with the gray ones who are planning on basically destroying everybody there anyways if they don't figure this out like i would just I would just say with them, like, what is, what is keeping her from being with the gray ones or being on their side? Is it just because she's loyal to her dad or is there something else that just has something over her that, you know, she doesn't want to get out or what? Yeah. Yeah, that, definitely. That would be something to fix in, in the plot. And one thing that I did notice um, was that, the plot of the story, especially in the beginning, um, I don't know why, but I started thinking of Castlevania, like <laughs> because you know, like um, no one really understands the vampires and especially Dracula and stuff. And and Dracula, he he knows all the sciences and mysteries of the world. So Lisa goes there trying to learn that so she could be that liaison between, you know, the vampires and and humans, and then basically gets literally burn yeah literally but that's kind of what i was thinking of when i was reading this you know i was i was equating the cast or whatever to dracula and juniper to lisa Mm. so that's actually very interesting and it's even more interesting because juniper originally goes to the gray ones like of course we know her father just sent her there to like Mm -hmm. manipulate them and like to slow down their armies and their attacks but generally, she personally thinks she's going there to learn about their culture, to learn about how the Grey Ones establish themselves, not as, like, just a society, but their religio- religious standpoint as well. So that's really that's a really great connection you put with Castlevania. I, I like that. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, okay, this seems kind of interesting. And, and we all know what happened between Lisa and Dracula. So I'm like, well... <laughs> You know, uh, let's see what happens between Juniper and the cast and um, <laughs> go from there. <laughs> oh, hopefully the best. They, Juniper and um, the cast's relationship also reminds me of the type of plot where, like, they both love each other, but they're just both terrible at explaining how their feelings work. Mm-hmm. That's, that's literally the definition of their whole entire relationship. Hence why when she's like, oh, I might want to go back, he gets angry yells at her she gets mad yells at him going back and forth a little bit of a backstory with the cast as the slot whatever the the second guy in the command explains more Mm -hmm. but still i i like it i like it but at the same time i i really hate her vibes when she's trying to go back i hate her passion yeah you just have to see um i guess the author can explain a little better what motivates her to go back like what is her reason behind going back like i don't know i just i i'm so used to reading a bunch of books with very strong feminine role models 
And yeah. um, usually they have some kind of struggle, um, you know, or motivation behind what they, what they do. So like, I feel like it's going to have to be more than just a strong sense of loyalty because I feel like that's such a, a cop out. <laughs> so it's going to have to be <laughs> something like, you know, like her father knows something about her that no one else does, or, you know, that, that um, her father's worried that he can't marry her off now or whatever, because everybody's going to think she's been tainted by, by the cast, you know, um, mm. that was, that was, that would have been a big deal back in the day. Uh, like in medieval times, like you, you, you would never see a woman with a man by herself because everybody would automatically think that, you know, she's been tainted. She's been like, they slept together. Like her virginity has gone because virginity was like a big deal, you know? Yeah, so yeah. that would, I mean, at least that would put some background onto why she feels the need to have, have to go back. Like, is she worried she's not going to be accepted into normal society anymore? Like, um, what are her ideals about society? Like, does she care? So. Hmm. Definitely. Those are some things to definitely think about. Do you have any other notes for this story before, um, we go on to the ratings. Now, usually when I have people reviewing other stories with me, me and Righteous especially, we would go through like a little rating list. It's the same list that they use for Inkit. It's just that we add on personal interest to it as well. Gotcha. But, but before we get into that, do you have any extra notes for the story? You uh, like yeah, I actually do. And this is mainly for the author on, on like editing notes. Um, so we talked a little bit about like the walls of text and stuff, but there were some instances where there was a lot of passive voice going on. In fact, there was one sentence that was particularly confusing and it was in the first uh, chapter and it was talking about the um, cast occupying the docks. And instead of it just being like occupy the docks, it, it said had occupied. So I'm like, okay, so they've been there before. So, <laughs> so that was kind of just a bit of pa a passive voice. Like you can easily change that. You would just take out the word had you know um another one was um uh like i said with the paragraphs and stuff because they incorporate more than one thought it does throw the flow off so it makes it feel a, lot, a little choppy when you're reading it because you're automatically like changing ideas but you're still in the same paragraph so it does make the flow seem a little a little strange um and then all the um what are they called ellipses ellipses you know where it's like the three dots or whatever um there was a I, I think I know. yeah there was a lot of that in the first chapter and usually that happens it, it's it's kind of signifies a pause but if these are characters that are supposed to be very strong and very sure of themselves especially with the cast i wouldn't use any of those um just because it makes them seem very unsure um and like confused about what they're talking about so does throw off the uh the the tone i guess of the dialogue um so i would take out those three dots um a lot of those and um i think that's about it that i have for notes that go towards like editing and stuff yeah okay and actually yeah. going back to your three dots when you say they're um does it match their actual character description now i for once i'm gonna have to disagree with that because as I've, if you would read more through the story, you would probably see it, is that the cast himself is not assured of anything. Mm -hmm. He may seem very strong-willed and like he knows what he's going to be doing in the future. But as he's planning this war with the humans to take over and purge and clean their land and reestablish human beings as the prophecy like told them to do in a way, he's very hesitant on doing anything because of Juniper. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he knows it, but he won't admit to the fact that he likes Juniper. He, he has actually liked her since their second meeting. The first meeting didn't go too well, but the second one, he began to like her. And day after day, he begins to really enjoy having her around and her company really soothes him. Hence why he's truly like, he's having really, it's called double think. That's what it's called. Double think. And that idea was kind of established and put into a story called 1984. Mm -hmm. 1984 double think is having two different conscious ideas that contradict one another, but you can still believe both of them equally. He truly believes that purging the land and everything on it is the best thing to do. But at the same time, he don't he doesn't want to because he loves Juniper and he wants to establish a life with her. He's 
con- it's like he's balancing the ideas of war and love. So he's not as strong-willed as you might perceive him to be within the first couple of chapters. Yeah, and I get that, but I feel like there's better ways to show um to show that versus putting in um the three dots because it it really uh disrupts the flow of the dialogue too. So I feel like um I feel like there's other ways to show that, like, um, you know, if you're trying to display, like, anxiety or something, you might put in, like, knee bouncing or sweaty palms or hand wringing, ring, uh, you know, like, wringing out your hands or whatever, or, you know, uh, brushing your hair away from your face or things like that. Like, there's different ways to show that than um, putting pauses in the middle of your dialogue. Yeah. Sure, sure. But I mean, like, I understand, like, you know, putting some in there, like if, if a character is actually like think trying to think about what they're saying. But um, yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of thinking <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> so. You're, I lo- you know, you're right. I think that's the pauses are weird. But in a sense, when you talked about like his personality, I just. I oh, know. I just wanted to probably clear that yeah. up a little bit. Well, well, my well, my examples were based on the first chapter when he's literally talking to uh, the Lord for the first time, and he's basically, you know, telling him what he thinks is right. So that's why I got that yeah. from from that part, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah. okay. Well, now we can get into the ratings of sure. it. Let's start off with plot out of five stars how would you rate this plot well it's hard it's hard to rate things that you haven't read the whole story on (laughs) but um (laughs) i would say right now i would give it probably um i'd probably give it a four just because it definitely has held my attention um but from what you know we, we were talking about with like um some of the holes and stuff um we might need a little more background information on the characters as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Even reading through, there's not a lot described about Juniper's past enough, as far as I've read. But for plot, I would definitely give it a four as well, as the plot itself is moving along nicely. It's not moving slow. It's not moving too fast. It's just the fact that her indecisiveness is just what's really getting to me. So maybe that's hindering my review on it, but but still, it's mm, mm-hmm. mm. I'm just not I'm not gonna yeah. let that go. <laughs> I no, I get that. I mean, it is based on like preferences too. So, um, nothing is the author. Just know that these are like um, personal preferences. Like you can yeah. take it or leave it however you want to. <laughs> mm-hmm. For next one up is writing style. Writing style for me. I generally really liked it, except for some things that were worded. I feel like they tried to be too wordy with it, so I give it a four out of five for me. Yeah, I think I would give it a, a three point five, and the reason I say that is because, like, I've pretty much been talking about all like the writing style as a whole for, for the whole thing. Um, but like, you know, the big blocks of text, I felt like there's a lot of, uh, stuff in there that wasn't really needed or didn't drive the plot forward. Um, there's a lot of flowerly, was it flowerly language? <laughs> I'm having trouble pronouncing words. <laughs> but yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of stuff in there that, um, I think it's nice. Like, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of detail, um, and detail is great, but, uh, like I said, with the big walls of text, it just makes the flow a little choppy for me. And um, I think I haven't read too far in, but I feel like there's not enough dialogue where I'm at to make it to because I feel like if you're writing a book, it should be, you know, or at least close to half dialogue, half background information, like your scenes and stuff. Um, yeah, so right yeah. now, there's not a whole lot of dialogue going in. And what dialogue is in there, this is another thing I forgot to mention, it's not separated out of those big walls of text. That's also very true. That was something else we weird. put in separate paragraphs. So mm-hmm. that makes it a little hard to read. Okay. Mm-hmm. For grammar and punctuation, I would give it a 3.5 because of those big blocks of text and the punctuation for some of them it doesn't really get any better as the chapters go on for me okay. so 
that's definitely my reading for it. And just, again, some of the words that they're using, I don't think they're using it generally in the right sense. Like, I understand what you're trying to say about this, but overly wording simple sentences to make it flourish better, like flourishing your words mm-hmm. better, it mm-hmm. kind of, like, it feels like an overachieving moment for me. You know, you're just trying a little too. Yeah, hard. and I would I would agree with that rating. I would I would say a three point five as well. I agree with what you say. Like I was just reading um one of uh, uh, one of the paragraphs uh, before we got on, and there were some words that were used that uh, made it sound kind of weird because you know you're using all these very um for lack of a better term like big words, but then you have word like prettiest. <laughs> which is kind of a weird way to describe jewelry. <laughs> like I would, I would, I would probably use a different term than prettiest, um, mm-hmm. you know, because you just had the sentence that had these huge words in there that sound like really professional. And then you have prettiest and it, yeah, it just yeah. kind of, th- it kind of throws me off because like you'll have like some sentences that are professional sounding and then other sentences that are not, I guess, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that sound right. like, like you but then again it's, it's kind of hard because I don't know um I obviously don't know if English is everyone's first language on Inkit I know it's not so I can't really say too much mm-hmm. about like word choices um you know because maybe they they didn't know of a different word that sounded good or something yeah probably so. yeah um also our second to last one is personal interest for this story, my personal interest definitely went through the roof. If I could give it like six stars, I definitely would. Just because I love this story and I love the ideas that they put in with it. I also love their idea of constructing new religions. Now, between the religion that they that the humans believe in, which is the builder, or the other ones believe in, the, the gray ones, I forget what it's called, but just comparing their religions and how they stand as one, they're very, you'll read more about it if you continue to read the story, but their religion is fairly the same. It's just the caste is more, it's more of like a socialist type of government. Like the caste is more like socialist and stuff like that. And so is the builder system, which the humans came up with. But at the same time, it's just, I don't know. I feel like the great ones, they all help each other. They all have the same mom. They all have the same of everything. Everything is literally split equally. That's only because they have a small system of people anyway. Like, we all know socialism doesn't work with large countries like that. But I feel like the humans also try to establish a socialist type of system. And they're representing why it doesn't work in much bigger countries and why much bigger nations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I I would agree. um, You know, I I would give it a five, a five star out of the, um, you know, out of piquing my interest because um, you don't see a lot of books like this where an author is taking the time to create an entirely different culture or religion um, and then have like their own unique um, words and way of speech and stuff like that. You don't, you don't really see that too often in books, especially on Inkit, um, that kind of stuff. I mean, I would say this author is probably definitely has more imagination than I do when it comes to fantasy novels like that. <laughs> Um, so kudos to them and I think like the author even made like a map um I didn't I didn't click on it but yeah um so I mean like that's that's pretty cool um there's only like I think one other author or two other authors that I know that have built like a completely different world system like that so the world building in the book is really uh pretty good I would say Mm -hmm. I agree with that and the last one is overall rating. Despite me not liking Juniper's poor choices in life, yes, I'm really not going to let that go. Um, and also with the little grammar issues and the big blocks of test, text, they really bring down the rating. But for the personal interest, it kind of brings it up more. So to say for overall rating, it would be a four for me four out of five stars yeah I was I was actually gonna say exactly the same that it would be a four out of five for me as well um they just need to fix some of the um the more aesthetically pleasing um aspects of the book um with their Mm -hmm. writing style and the um and the grammar and and then you know some of the little plot holes that are that are going on 
but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So anything else you'd like to say before we end this book review? Uh, well, just so you guys know, I'm Lady Rowan again. Always keep forgetting to introduce you in the beginning because we just get straight yeah. into Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was like, well, you know, we're already like kind of like deep into conversation on this. So I was like, let's just, we'll just go ahead and, and do the introduction at, at the end. <laughs> Oh, oh my god! I'm I'm so sorry, by the way, about that. I'm <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. I mean, I I feel like this is probably gonna be our thing. Our thing. So so yeah, just so everybody knows, I'm Lady Rowan, uh, one of the moderators on Inkit, and um uh my my real name's Lauren Eason, but people on Inkit probably know me as Lady Rowan. It's also the name of my uh my podcast as well. So that's. Well, thank you again for joining me today and doing this book review. It it means a lot. It does. Every single time I have somebody come on the show, it just means a lot because I love hearing other people's opinions and not just my own. You'd be surprised. Um, I've got a couple of emails saying like, well, it's well they don't like they didn't agree with what I was saying, so they proceeded to say, well you don't know what you're talking about. Other people wouldn't think that way anyway. Like, it's not just about you and your opinions when you're reading my story, which is all fine and dandy. But when I have other people on here, I feel more at peace knowing that somebody else shares my points of views and it's not just Yeah, me. yeah, absolutely. You know? And um, I know that um, I, I asked you to review one of my books, so I'm kind of scared. But, you know, if you ever want to, <laughs> if you want to, if you ever want to <laughs> talk about it, you know, with me, I, I'd be up for that too, um, you know. So. <laughs> oh, definitely. I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, um, the current episodes that we have up on this list, it's actually came back a little bit because of a major blunder of one of our voice actors. I'm also not going to let that go either. <laughs> but, <laughs> but aside from that, we're like a little bit behind our next stories that are going to be coming out to later tomorrow or following the next week will be The Gathering by Gabriel Garcia. Um, there is another story. Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But you're also one of the three, three stories that will be posted out next week or sometime in this period because we just have a lot of stories to just go through. Yeah, you, Ugh, you, I hate you sound like stuff. me. <laughs> like, I'm always like that on my <laughs> podcast, you know, when I'm talking about or trying to give examples and stuff because, you know, my podcast, I've been – doing a lot of stuff about editing like I think uh because I'm in season two I guess I, I just went ahead and did a new season every year but um season two Ooh. and like uh my podcast last week is tips on world building and then this week it's tips on character development um and then oh. I'm actually so I decided to take one for the team here for ink it okay <laughs> just for, just for you guys <laughs> but I ended up paying a service to update my uh, book cover for Brimstone. And it doesn't mean I'm actually going to change my book covers um, for Brimstone in that series, but um, I wanted to see if I could find an affordable um, book cover place um, and, and, and review it and see how it is. Cause I know that there's a lot of authors out there that look for uh, those kind of things. So so I paid for that service. So we're going to see. I think I'm going to get the book cover either tomorrow or maybe Saturday. So <laughs> I, Hopefully it turns out good. I personally do. Oh, uh. another side note before we end this. Um, I do book covers and I own my own little, like, little side company that establishes and makes book covers, which is really, really nice and stuff. What I appreciate um, for everybody who's ordering book covers through me. Um, one thing, if you guys don't like the covers, that's all fine and dandy. Like, it's okay if you don't like them and stuff like that. But one thing I can definitely appreciate to the people who don't like it is the fact that they will still pay, not pay the full price, but pay like a little bit, like a little bit of the actual, like, usually I charge like $15, so I pay like $10, something like that. Guys, that really means a lot, and that really makes my day, because I work, and we work very hard to make those covers like all the time so thank you sorry that's just my oh no 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 problem i totally forgot (laughs) forgot that you did your own book covers yeah (laughs) 
it's sorry about that. Somebody just had to um, ask me a question. But thank you, Lady Rowan, for joining me today. And hopefully we can see you again All next right. Time. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, Mystic here. Help support the podcast with monthly donations. Reviewing novels is a highlight of my life, and I adore all of your novels and comments. Help us keep the podcast alive and to help pay our wonderful team of editors and voice actors. Till next time, catch you guys later.